0: see all of you this evening. Apparently, Aaron and I were the only ones that knew the secret of who taught us to preach tonight. I got to uh, Holly and Doug's this afternoon, and Holly said, Daddy, you might get to sit and listen tonight. The bulletin says that Aaron's preaching. I thought, well, that's real good. I get to sit and listen. <laughs> but either way, it's good to see you. In our Bible lesson at home this morning, I covered the passage of scripture where John the Baptist calls himself a voice and said that this is why the point I wanted to make the voice is not nearly as important as the message so whether it's Aaron or me it's going to be the same message if you would open your Bibles with me to Job chapter 28 I've titled the message this evening where shall wisdom be found In Job 28, verse 12, Job asks this question, but where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Now the wisdom that Job is talking about is spiritual wisdom, wisdom that knows God, wisdom that knows who God is, that God's holy, that God is just. It's wisdom to know that I'm a helpless sinner, And I cannot save myself. The absolute best I can offer to God will send me to hell. And it's wisdom to know how can a sinner be saved? How can a sinner be saved from his sin? How can a sinner be saved from God? From God's justice? How can a sinner be saved? Now I need that wisdom. I need it in the worst way. And I'm very interested in finding out where can this wisdom be found. Wisdom that knows God. And the first thing Job tells us is where wisdom is not. And I'll tell you why he tells us where wisdom is not. So the first thing we learn is this. We're completely dependent on God. First, Job says wisdom can't be had in fleshly efforts and fleshly understanding. Verse 1 of Job 28 Surely there's a vein for the silver and a place for the gold where they find it. Iron is taken out of the earth and brass is molten out of the stone. Now, if this is what interests you, finding gold and silver and precious gems, you know where to find those things. You know they're in the ground. And if you're willing to work long enough and work hard enough, you, you find you know, the right place where you find those sorts of things in the ground, you'll probably find some if you dig, dig deep enough and work long enough. Because at least you know this. At least you know where silver and gold is typically found. But I don't care how smart you are. By nature, you're not going to find out the wisdom of God. I don't care how smart you are. This, this congregation is full of smart, I mean intelligent people. The things you all do in your jobs, the things you know, you're so intelligent. But I don't care how smart you are. You can't sit down and figure out how God saves sinners. Whenever we do that, whenever the natural man with his natural understanding sits down and tries to figure out how God saves sinners, we're always wrong. You know where where this thing of of killing your babies to, to make God happy with you came from? The dead mind. I mean, that's where that kind of thing comes from. A dead spiritual mind can never come up with the right spiritual answers. Even if you know the Bible's the word of God. I don't care how long you dig in it, you're not going to find Christ unless God the Holy Spirit is pleased to reveal him to you. See, left to our own devices, we'll be just like the Pharisees who were there, our Lord was talking to them. They thought that salvation was there in their obedience to the law and them observing all of the ceremonies. They thought just the fact all their reading of the scriptures, that that would save them. These men spent their lives in the scripture. I mean, they spent their lives. in it. This is not just a, a Sabbath day thing with them. This is a seven day a week thing. The word of God. And they never knew those scriptures testified of Christ. And you know why? They're born just as spiritually dead as we are. Just as spiritually blind. I like to say this, this all the time. A blind squirrel finding an acorn every now and then. But the blind man, spiritually, will never find God. Will never find the wisdom of God. Job tells us that. Look back a few pages at Job chapter 11. Job chapter 11. In verse 7, Job asked, Can thou by searching find out God? Can, can you find out the Almighty unto perfection? It's as high as heaven. What canst thou do? It's deeper than hell. What canst thou know? The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If he cut off and shut up or gathered together, then who can hinder him? Man cannot find out God by our natural minds, by, by human efforts. can't be done. Then second, Job tells us wisdom can't be bought. It can't be bought with earthly riches. Look back in chapter 28, beginning in verse 13. Man knoweth not the price thereof, neither is it found in the land of the living. The depth says, it's not in me. The sea saith, it's not with me. It cannot be gotten for gold, neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. It cannot be valued with the gold of Ophir, the precious onyx or the sapphire, the gold and the crystal cannot equal it. And the exchange of it shall not be for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of pearls, for the price of wisdom is above rubies. The topaz of Ethiopia shall not equal it, neither shall be valued with pure gold. Whence then cometh wisdom? Where is the place of understanding? Seeing its head from the eyes of all living and kept close from the fowls of the air. Wisdom can't be bought with all these riches, all these things we're so impressed with, gold and silver and opals and topaz and all these gems, you know. It can't be bought with it because of how precious this wisdom to know God is. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. In the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, Solomon talks about wisdom more than any other single writer of scripture. And this is what he had to say, one of the things he has to say about wisdom in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. He's going to tell us why this wisdom, wisdom to know God, is so precious. He's as happy as the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding, for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand is riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retaineth her. Now, gold and silver and precious stones, they're valuable. They, they have their place, so they're valuable. But their value cannot even be compared to the preciousness of wisdom wisdom to know God. I'll tell you, true wisdom makes a person happy. I've known over the, the course of my life. A few wildly, I mean wildly wealthy, wildly wealthy people. You know what they have in common? They're miserable. They're miserable. Miserable. You can't be miserable and have wisdom. Wisdom that knows God. Oh, it's joy. The wisdom to know God is joy that the human tongue cannot express. Wisdom gives a person eternal life. Wisdom gives a person peace. I mean, the wisdom to know God gives a person peace, peace in the heart. You think about living the course of your life. You start out as a child, you, you become a, a young adult, you get married, you. You go about the business of of raising a family, putting a roof over your head, building a home, building a a life for yourself and your spouse. It's hard work. It's hard work. If you're one of God's own, you're going to go through a lot of deep waters. You're going to go through a lot of storms. You're going to get to the end of this thing, and you're going to lay on your deathbed. And your family's going to be around you. And you're gonna look up at him, and I'm gonna tell him I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm leaving you. I'm sorry you got to stay here, but I'm leaving. I'm so sorry. Oh, I just don't want. I just hate it. I hate your sorrow. I hate your pain. But I have peace. Peace to leave this place and go see the Savior face to face. You can't put a price on that. You can't put a price on it. This wisdom to know God, it cannot be bought with earthly riches because it's so much more precious than gold and silver and these things that that perish. Just like you can't go buy a new house for a dollar because the house is worth more than that. You can't buy wisdom with these earthly riches because wisdom is worth so much more than that. You know, gold and silver, Diamonds and jewels and pearls and all those, they impress us. I mean, they impress us, you know. We went one time, Jan and I went, and they had the Hope Diamond displayed somewhere. I thought, well, this is going to be impressive. you know, you, you got to wait in line to see this thing. And I was very impressed. Claire. I thought it would be like the size of a basketball or something. You know, I mean, It was smaller than, than when I. That impresses people. But those things don't impress God. They don't impress God. You think about it. All these precious metals, gold and silver and gems and diamonds, all these things, they're just another element to God. God created them the same way he made dirt. Those things are just as valuable as dirt to God Almighty. John, in the book of Revelation, said he saw heaven and its streets were paved with gold. That's, that's what gold is worth to God, what asphalt's worth. And you can't buy wisdom with asphalt. can't be done. Now that's where wisdom's not found. And knowing where it's not found, that, that shows you how dependent we are on God. God's got to give it to us because we can't find it and we can't earn it. Now, here's a good clue with where I'm going with the rest of my time this evening. Almighty God is only impressed with his son. There's nothing more valuable than knowing Christ. He is the wisdom of God. Now, here's my third point. God must be pleased to reveal wisdom to us or we'll never have it. Back in our text, Job 28, verse 23. God understandeth the way thereof, and he knoweth the place thereof. He knows because he put it there. He knows it's in Christ. He's the one to put it there. For he looketh to the ends of the earth and seeth under the whole heaven to make the weight for the winds, and he weigheth the waters by measure. When he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of thunder in in creation, before God created anything, then did he see it and declare it? He prepared it, yea, and he searched it out. God knows. God knows where wisdom is because he's the one that put it there. He's the one that put it in Christ. (laughs) Now, God has wisdom reserved for his people. How am I going to know about it? How am I going to find out? I've got to know this. I mean, I want this wisdom to know God more than anything. How am I going to know it? It's through the preaching of Christ. Look over at 1 Corinthians 2. We're going to know God and know his wisdom. He's going to reveal it to us through the preaching of of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now how do we know about this wisdom? Somebody's got to speak it to us. Somebody's got to preach Christ to us. Somebody's got to tell us the answer to the mystery is Christ. He's the answer. The only way we can know the answer to the mystery is if somebody tells us who Christ is. Somebody says, like John the Baptist, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, look to him. Go to him. (laughs) He's our wisdom. Now, here's the wisdom of God God is holy, and God is just. And at the same time, God is merciful. That's God's essential character. He can't be anything else. He can't be anything else but holy, just, merciful, and gracious. He can't be anything else. That's His character. You see, God must be holy. He must be just. But God also must be merciful. He's got to be merciful to somebody. So if God's going to be merciful to sinners, it has to be in a way that's just and right, doesn't it? God can't show mercy at the expense of His holiness or His justice. It's got to be all three just, holy, and merciful. So here's the question How can God be just and holy? How can He be right and still be merciful to sinners like you and me? See, that's what the wisdom, the human being, can never figure out on our own. How can God be just and holy? And say that guilty sinners like you and me don't have to die for our sin. How can God say that? How can God be just and holy? And say that guilty sinners like you and me are justified. Justified is not just as if I've never sinned. Justified is I've never sinned. I don't have any sin. Now how can God be right and say I'm justified? How is that possible? That's the question. How can God say we're justified and it really be true? Not, well, you'll be justified without sin someday in heaven. No, right now. If you believe Christ, you're as justified as you ever will be. You're as righteous as you ever will be. How can God say that and that really be true? That's a question only the wisdom of God can answer. And the answer to the mystery is Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ He is the wisdom of God. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 that Christ has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption are not religious things. They're not religious states of being. It's not some document that God signed in heaven that you'll be those things right now. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption is a person. It's a person. If you have him, you've got it all. The Lord Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God in a human body. See, the way that God can say that sinners, like you and me, are righteous is through representation. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came in the flesh as the second Adam. The second representative man, he came to represent his race his elect, the elect that God gave to him to save, the same way Adam represented his race, all of mankind. Now, Adam is our representative. In the garden, Adam was our representative. And we all did what our representative did. When Adam disobeyed God, so did all of us. We did what our representative did. It's not like Adam's guilt and sin was charged to us, even though we weren't there. No, we were there. We were in him. Doing exactly what he did. When Adam sinned and lost his innocence, so did we. When Adam died spiritually, so did we. See, here's the reason we come forth from the womb speaking lies. We commit all the sin that we commit. Because we became sinners the moment that Adam sinned. That's why we commit the sin that we sin. Because when we're born, we're already sinners. Now we're in trouble. Somebody's got to undo that. If we can ever be in God's presence. So Christ came to be the second representative man. He came to represent God's elect. And when the Lord Jesus obeyed the law, so did all of his people. When the Lord Jesus established a perfect righteousness under the law, so did his people. God's elect are righteous because our representative made us righteous by his obedience to the law. Now this matter of seeing all the human race in one of two representative men, that's wisdom. That's God's wisdom and we can't know it unless God reveals it to us, can we? The way that God can say sinners like you and me are justified is through substitution. God is holy and just and at the same time shows mercy to sinners through substitution. And that substitute is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the sinner substitute. Now, the best place I can think of for us to find out what wisdom is and see wisdom in action is by going to Calvary. At Calvary, we see the Lord Jesus Christ dying a cursed death on the tree. Now, this man did no sin. He knew no sin. He wasn't even acquainted with any sin. Why is he dying a cursed death? Because he'd been made sin for his people. Even though he never committed any sin, he became guilty of the sin of his people. Now that's God's wisdom. To make his holy spotless son to be guilty of the sin of his people. And the Savior willingly took that sin. He willingly took the sin away from his people and took it into his own body on the tree. And as their substitute, he paid the penalty for that sin. He suffered and he died to satisfy God's justice. God's justice demands there's death for sin. That's why the substitute died. Because he'd been made guilty of the sin of his people. And his death satisfied his father. The death of Christ satisfied all of God's justice against all of God's elect. Justice is satisfied by the death of Christ. God's holy character is satisfied by the death of Christ. And God's mercy is satisfied by the death of Christ. Once Christ died, he put away the sin of his people. Now the Father is still holy. He's still just, but now he can show mercy to his people. You see, the father is right not to condemn his people because Christ, their substitute, died in their place. Now, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. In his wisdom, the father made it right for him to be merciful to sinners. Now, I want you to get a hold of this now. Get a hold of this. If you trust Christ, you you get this, you take this with you. I'm telling you, it'll be encouragement to you. We think, because this is the way we think. Well, I I thought I knew wisdom. I thought I trusted Christ. But I must not have. Look at me. How can a person who knows God think what I think? How can a person who trusts Christ say what I say, do what I do? God's just going to cast me off. Now hold on a minute. Not only is it right for the Father to be merciful to his people, the Father must be merciful to everyone for whom Christ died. He must. His justice demands it. You know, it's easy for us to see, yes, God's justice demands he send the rebel to hell. I, I see that. Here's something God's got to show you. That same justice demands he give you eternal life if Christ died for you. Isn't that thrilling? You know, there's something wrong with preaching. That uh, makes us mad at other folks makes us mad at people that don't believe the gospel makes us just you know the gospel the good news of Christ it ought to put a bounce on our step it ought to the father's made it right to forgive your sin because Christ died for you you know why it's right for the father to forgive your sin if Christ died for you There's no sin to charge you with. There's no reason for him to be angry. The blood of Christ has washed you from your sin. Now that's wisdom. And only God could do it. Only God could provide a merciful salvation that's also just and holy. Only God could do that. And I tell you, I love God's salvation. I love it. I love to think about it. I love to read about it. I love to hear it preached. I love to preach it. I love God's salvation. It's beautiful. It's beautiful in its wisdom. How God can be both just and justifier. It's beautiful. It's beautiful in its justice. If God's salvation is just, I don't ever have to worry about him casting me into hell. That would be unjust. It's beautiful in its truth. And oh, to a sinful man, it's beautiful in its mercy and its grace. It's beautiful. Now, I want to be saved that way. Don't you? I want that for you. I want you to know that God has saved you that way. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how much I want us to have this wisdom. This wisdom to know God. Well, here's my fourth point. Has God given me that wisdom? That's a fair question. Has God given me this wisdom? Or is this just something I've heard my whole life? So I just believe what my grandparents and parents believe. I've just been here all my life, don't know nothing, nothing different, so I just believe this. Or has God given me wisdom? That's a fair question. Well, the answer to that question is found back in our text. Job 28. Verse 28. You know, we've got this question and God answered it as plainly as it could possibly be answered. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. The fear of the Lord, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. Now wisdom is knowing something that's true. Understanding is the right use of wisdom. Now, wisdom would be seeing the walls of this building on fire. They're just engulfed in flames. Well, I see those flames, and I know this. This building's going down. I mean, it's going it's, it's to be burnt to ashes. Now, that's true, isn't it? You see this building engulfed in flames? It's going down. Understanding is acting on that knowledge and running out of the burning building. Wisdom is knowing that Christ is the wisdom of God. Wisdom is knowing sinners are justified by the sacrifice of Christ. Wisdom is knowing that sinners are saved from their sin because Christ's sacrifice put it away. Wisdom is knowing there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus because he was already condemned for them. That's a true statement, isn't it? All those statements are true statements. Does anybody here already not know that? You know that. You hear that preached all the time. Understanding is acting on that knowledge and running to Christ for mercy and grace and salvation. Understanding is acting on that knowledge so that I quit trusting anything I do. I I can't do anything to make God happy with me. I'm going to quit it, and I'm going to trust Christ to be all my salvation before God. That's understanding. And that's what Job means when he says, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the reverence of the Lord. Do you want to show reverence to God Almighty? I'll tell you how you do it. Trust his son to be all your salvation. That's reverence of God. Trust Christ to be all you need. Nothing honors God more than faith in Christ. Faith in Christ says, <clears throat> I need Christ to do all the saving for me because I can't do one blessed thing save myself. I'm going to trust him to be my all. And I'm going to depart from evil. Isn't that what Job says? And depart from evil. That's understanding. Now let, let's make sure we understand what that means. Departing from evil. That's not, that doesn't mean you're going to start sinning less than you, than you used to before. That's not going to happen. This flesh is still flesh. All it can do is sin. Matter of fact, if God saves you, you're going to think you're sinning more than you ever sinned before. Because now you've got a new man that sees what sin really is. Sees the sin of the old man. So how, how, how do I depart from evil? Well, there's nothing more evil than trusting my works to save me. Nothing more evil. Departing from evil is look away from myself and look to Christ and to depend on him to be my all. That's spiritual understanding. And God's got to give that to us, doesn't he? Because we can't make ourselves quit trusting ourselves. We can't. Oh, if I could impress that on you and you not go through the misery, the years of misery that I went through trying to make myself believe Christ. God's got to give it to you. But you can't ask him to give it to you. (laughs) You can't ask him to give it to you. Look at uh, Psalm 111. David, he says here the same thing that, that Job said, and this is what we'll close with. Psalm 111. Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. Now the word beginning that David used here, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It means the first fruits, the first fruits, the first fruit that springs from the vine. Well, if the Holy Spirit is ever pleased to... to, Give us faith in Christ. The very first thing we'll do is trust Christ to be our all. That's the first fruits. And this word beginning also means the chief thing, the most important thing. The most important thing any of us can do is trust Christ. Trust him to be our all. And that's exactly what we'll do if the Lord's ever pleased to reveal Christ the wisdom of God to you. If the Lord ever reveals Christ to you, you're going to trust Him. If He reveals Christ to you, you're going to love Him. You will. You'll follow Him. You'll follow Him all the days of your life. And when David here talks about keeping God's commandment. He isn't saying we can keep the law, making ourselves righteous. If you've ever tried to keep the law, you already know better than that. What David is talking about is the commandment of God. The commandment is to trust Christ. To do all the saving for me. In the Old Testament. There are pages and pages and pages. And pages and pages. Of laws. Aren't there? Do you know why God gave every one of those laws? To show us the commandment. Every one of those laws. Tells me I can't keep you. So I must trust Christ. That's that's God's commandment. I can't keep the law. We have to trust Christ, and God's got to give us the faith to do that, doesn't he? I want to close with a word to you. Can I talk to you for a minute? Particularly those of you who are lost, and you know it. If you don't have faith in Christ, you don't trust Christ, and you know it. You'd like to, but you don't, and you know you don't. First, let me tell you, I'm sorry. It's the most miserable place to be, isn't it? It's the most miserable place to be. But if I was you, I'm lost and I know it. I don't have faith in Christ. I don't trust him. I know I don't. Tell you what I'd do. I'd make it my business to be in a place where Christ is preached. Now, I'm assuming... That y'all live in the Greater Lexington area. And I know a place in the Greater Lexington area where the gospel's preached, where Christ is preached every time the door's open. Right here. If you want God to give you faith in Christ, I mean make it your business to be in that planted in that pew and listen to Christ preach. Because so God, the Holy Spirit, is going to be pleased to give you faith in Christ, he's going to use the seed of this word to plant it in your heart. And this is not just words. I pray that the Lord be pleased to do that for each of us this evening. If he's pleased, every one of us is going to leave here trusting Christ. And nothing will make us happier, will it? All right, Lord bless you.